What I want to do today is to interpret the thought of St. Paul. Always a difficult thing to do. And then to expand on it. Always a thing too easy to do. We need to imagine three stages in the course of religion. First, the time of Abraham, when the true faith commenced. The next phase came with Moses, in what may be called the era of the law. Think here of Moses going up the mountain to receive God's many laws, among which are the Ten Commandments. Then think of the third era, that of the church, beginning with the coming of Christ. In the first period, God gave Abraham the promise of salvation. Was it given then? No. It had to await another time, as is clear from the word promise, signifying something that's yet to come. Was the promise fulfilled in the second period, the time of the law of Moses? Were that so, there would have been no need for the coming of Christ and for the church. But no one was saved by the law. It was, as are all laws, something to regulate the deviant, wayward tendencies of men in order to control them. But there was no salvation in that. There could only be a certain kind of righteousness, a disciplined behavior according to the norms written in the law. And this was for the chosen people only, for the Jews. Gentiles of all kinds were excluded. But in the coming of Christ, and with the establishment of the church, salvation was open to all men by the redemption of Christ and its applied effects in the church's sacraments. Now, the promise of Abraham had been fulfilled. Blessedness, holiness, grace was obtainable and God and humanity could be reconciled and brought together in a unity. What a splendid thing came about after the passage of so many centuries of waiting. So how does it come about that any particular soul can profit from this new era of grace? Let it be recognized here that the transition of a soul without grace, either pre-baptized or one that's in mortal sin, to a state of being a child of God, a soul in a state of grace, 
is such an, an astounding feat that we can't even speak of it adequately, though we've come to think of it all too lightly, I fear. The process of a sinner coming to grace involves these steps, although charting this out does not in the least convey the quantum leap involved. Someone in a state of mortal sin has not only a cancerous soul which is eternally fatal to him, but he's without anything divine in him, no divine sonship, nor any effective relationship to the Blessed Trinity, no wedding of his soul to the Holy Spirit, and no supernatural love. How then does one come out of this condition of spiritual death and deformity to being a soul radiant with grace? Even to speak of it this way indicates his holy, miraculous, and marvelous nature. Certainly, it's not through any human effort that a sinner comes back to grace. Should you ever think that merely going to confession for a mortal sin is an act of your own doing, you are sorely mistaken. It takes a supernatural act to budge a lifeless state of soul to a living one. First, God must grant a preparatory grace what's called in theology a prevenient grace. This itself is something supernatural and can't come by way of human contrition. God must first tug, invite, and move the sinner to come back to him and to recover the status of a son of God with all its attending privileges. It's only then that there can follow a salutary repentance arising from faith which can lead to justifying the sinner. This is the subjective side of the transaction. And we often put all our attention on it, even though it is, in comparison with the rest, only secondary. Now, sometimes it happens that this arousal of contrition is so pure, so intense, so full of embracing commitment that God anticipates what he is going to do by sacramental absolution, and he restores the sinner to grace immediately. This is what we call perfect contrition. It is, I would say, the exception rather than the rule. Even though the act of contrition makes mention of it as the ideal, but most of all, I detest my sins because they have offended thee, my God, who art all good and worthy of all my love. 
Since this restoration to grace through perfect contrition is the rarer, and since no one can be certain that grace has been restored to him through this extraordinary means, the church insists on having recourse to confession in any case, to that very sacrament Christ instituted for the remission of sin and the restoration of grace. Now to the gospel. You know that ten lepers were cleansed by Christ. But surely you must have noted the oddity that Christ did not repair these men's bodies immediately as he did in so many other miraculous cures. Rather, he sent them on to the priests. They obeyed the Lord to their credit, and on the way there, they were cleansed. There's a mystery hidden in that. First is Christ's sending of the men to the church of the Old Testament, to the temple. Note here that God commands obedience to the institutional structures he himself invented. This today is the Catholic Church. No mere human institution, but a divine one, even despite its human side, which often obscures its divine splendor. But the more salient point is that only one that only 10% of the cured was commended by Christ as having had faith. Go your way, our Lord said. Your faith has saved you. While all 10 were made sound, healthy in the body, only one had the supernatural faith of a healthy soul, a condition made evident by his returning to Jesus in gratitude for the miracle. Not to put too fine a point on it, but I wonder whether our Lord was indicating a general rule here, namely that it's roughly only 10% of people who have supernatural faith. And the rest? Well, they enjoy the Lord's favors in spades. They have the sun every morning. Their hearts pump blood in their bodies. They have daily food. They have people to associate with. They have a purpose to go on living. And so many other good things. Blessings beyond counting. But how many have supernatural faith? Opinion polls in this regard are useless. Perhaps they're always useless. They query people to know how many people have religious faith, and then they publish the results. Religious faith matters not one bit. It's not how many believe in God or how many are church-going that counts anything. 
but only those who are friends of God through sanctifying grace, those who have been made adopted children of God by Christ, those who are elevated to a supernatural state. As for religious faith, why, even the devils believe, though with malicious hatred. So much for opinion polls. But the consequence of this, in view of the whole of humanity, is a rather grim picture. Is it perhaps only 10% of humanity who want to be saved by Christ and who actually will be saved? Is that what our Lord is subtly suggesting? And is it that small percentage indicative even of this congregation? God alone knows, surely, but it's something to entertain seriously with regard to the state of your own soul. To live devoutly and chastely in this world seems to be the interest of a wide minority. My last word has to do with gratitude. Only the one man who had faith came back to Christ with thanksgiving. That, too, is rather typical, I would say. It's only those who humbly recognize the gift of God who know, relish, and esteem the greatness of having a supernatural life. For the rest, it is, I'm afraid to say it, a cheap grace, little regarded, the state of grace being a mere interlude between mortal sins, which forms the ordinary state of their sinful lives. The person who's in love with God, who delights in the Catholic faith, who counts it as the thing most dear of all things, is a rare person indeed. We must all need to pray the beautiful words that end the collect of today's Mass which put it so succinctly, Lord, make us love what you command. If we're lacking that deeper love, that relish for the things of God, we'd better get a praying for that zeal of the 10% who appreciate what God has done for them. God grant you this kind of love, this kind of faith, and a steady perseverance. You won't be able to do it without this in these distressing times.